This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3209 for Thursday, the 19th of November 2020. Today's show is entitled Linux in Laws Season 1 Episode 17, Nextcloud, and is part of the series Linux in Laws. It is hosted by Monochrome and is about 70 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is Chat with Frank Karlicek about Nextcloud and forking your company. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. Welcome. This is Linux In-Laws um, with a special guest tonight by the name of Frank Check. Frank, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure, sure. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot. First of all, really happy to be a guest um, here in your in your podcast. Um, that's um, that's really fun. Um, it's an honor. So my name is Frank Kalicek. I'm uh, German, as you can hear from my accent, but not from my name, I guess. Um, so I'm a free software, open source developer for a long time, so 20 years, I guess, was my first contribution. Um, a long time contributed to different projects like KDE, where I was like a board member and did a lot of conference organization and coding and artwork and lots of stuff. Um, founded some other projects or initiatives an uh, open PC um, like 12 years ago, I think, uh, was the idea to have a complete free open source um, computer, um, which is like hardware, software, and service, and a donation to open source project, everything in one package. Um, 
was an interesting idea, but not super successful. Uh, but uh, that's how it is. Um, I also launched uh, the user data manifesto, which is more like a um, yeah more philosophical thing, where it basically writes down uh, rights that people should have regarding their data privacy and control where the data is stored and so on. Um, but all of that is like all the small stuff. I guess I'm mainly um, invited here um, because I founded a project called OpenCloud like 10 and a half years ago and then four and a half years ago NextCloud, which is the successor. Um, yeah, which is a big open source project nowadays. There are like 2,000 contributors from all over the world coming together, doing the software, and it is basically for for the people who don't know it, it's an open source free software alternative to collaboration software like Office 365 from Microsoft or Google Suite or Dropbox or many others. So the idea is that you can collaborate and communicate and chat and do video call and share files and so on, but everything free software and everything hosts where you want. So that's the problem. <laughs> that that has been more than helpful, Frank. Thank you. Full disclosure, people. I have been using own cloud since 2013, I think. I'm still running Nextcloud on a, on a couple of servers here, and this mm -hmm. is basically how I came across. But this is how I came about the open source code base called called own cloud. Previously, I had been using something called C file, C file. Mm -hmm. C file exactly uh, for mainly file synchronization, but C file at the time had a couple of challenges. Let's put it this way. So this is the reason why a couple of people recommended something called at the time own cloud, and I've been using that PHP codebase ever since. And this is say when Frank and we're going to talk about I'm sure in a minute about um, how own cloud became next cloud. When Frank forked the company, essentially, I, of course, made the move and changed it to Nextcloud. And I've been using Nextcloud mainly as a file synchronization ever since, until we actually started the podcast, because all of our file synchronization, all of our calendaring, as in scheduling, and a number of other features are also done now by a Nextcloud instance. We also have an embedded, co uh, co uh, what's the name, Frank? Collabora instance, right? This, yes, this, uh, um, ex ex exactly. Uh, we also have a, we also have an integrated office, if you will, in terms of uh, spreadsheets and so forth incorporated in our in our Nextcloud instance. And what I really like about Nextcloud, and this is kind of some initial feedback, is actually the, the extensibility of the framework, because as some of our listeners may already know, Nextcloud supports a number of plugins and there's a vibrant ecosystem of these plugins out in the out in the uh, marketplace. But let's spend time on this later. What my first question would be, uh, Frank, maybe you can talk about a little bit about the history of OwnCloud and why you decided to fork the company essentially in 2016 or was it 2015? <laughs> it was uh, 2016. It was uh, 2016, the first few months. Yeah, so this is a, this is a more uh, more complicated uh, topic, um, and um, I think I can give you the short version. If you're interested in the long version, then there are some interviews with me on on YouTube, some talks that I gave, where I talk about it for a longer time. But maybe maybe can give the the, the quick overview. So um, so OwnCloud is something um, I started like ten and a half years ago. 
Um, the idea was to have like this, uh, I called it at the time, open source Dropbox. Um, <laughs> so, because this co complete concept of software was new at the time and the Dropbox was new. And then someone say, yeah, but can Dropbox host it yourself? Like, oh, no, what do you mean? It's in the cloud. It's like, whatever. So this whole concept was completely new. Um, and, and this was where everything started. And it's, yeah, I, I wrote the version 1.0 completely myself, which I'm really happy to say that none of my code is left in the current code base, which is very good. Um, <laughs> now we actually have people um, in the project who know more than um, more what they're doing. Um, but I started that um, and um, quickly, um, and I released other free software license, the HTPL server, of course, because I'm a free software guy. Um, and um, yeah, then this basically had the effect that nice free software has, which means that the, the community came together and improved it, worked together, and people started to use it, and then the press wrote about it, and uh, people contacted me and said, hey, my software, can I buy support for that? And it basically, yeah, it, uh, it moved forward. Um, and then one and a half years later, um, I thought, okay, maybe um, there's the opportunity to found a company around that because it was always my dream to be able to pay the people to do free software. Because until then, it was all just a hobby project from everybody, which is fine. I mean, we all have our hobby project, but we can only spend like a few hours a week for our hobby. So wouldn't it be nice if there would be people who actually can work on the free software full-time? This was the idea, okay, maybe there's opportunity to yeah to build a real free software company here where people can yeah live basically yeah so um there was the opportunity to find a, found a company around that where everybody can uh, like work full time on creating this uh, this software um and I got in contact with two other people and um, they decided uh, together three of us find found this company and yeah we founded this company in the US directly because um as I was told that uh, real software is something you do in the United States not in Germany um <laughs> and uh, we um got like venture capital from investors on day 1 and uh, really built up this startup real american style as a yeah, as a, as a startup around software. Um, that was the idea, and it really didn't work out that well, I have to say. I mean, we got some um, investment at the beginning, and it, really, it was growing, but over time it became clear that we had a wrong team, we had the wrong expectations from the investors. There were some, some not-so-good stuff happened, basically, so that um, the company and the project own cloud was like... Yeah, really close to being yeah being bankrupt and being shut down. Unfortunately, we sh there was no reason in the software because the software was was good and the customers were happy and uh, we had some good employees. But there are some other th things that really didn't go so well, unfortunately. And then uh, basically the core team, so including me, so it was not only me but it was twelve people. We decided that um, that we should um, start over. That, she, that we should learn from the past um, and we should take the software because it was mainly uh, free software in the first place 
Um, I mean, one of the problems of the old home cloud was that it was actually open core, which means there was an enterprise edition, which had more features and was not open source and so on. So there were a lot of things that were not really that, that nice. Um, but we, we took like the open source pieces, which was 90% and then started over with Nextcloud. And yeah, with Nextcloud, we, um, have no investors anymore. So there are no external dependencies. We are um, have the right business model, which is a complete 100% open source business model, which means that we work together with the community in a better way because, um, yeah, everybody is in the same playing field um, and um, actually did a lot of more improvements all over all over the place. And as I said, there are other talks from me where which go more into details. I can recommend that. But we basically try to learn from the past and with Nextcloud, it's, um, yeah, maybe a bit more boring. It's not a fancy American venture capital startup anymore. It's more like a boring company and project, <clears throat> but it is more sustainable and it's completely open source free software. So and this is working nicely. This is really happy that this worked out good. And, uh, yeah, Nextcloud is growing and we're adding features and the community is growing and it's um i mean there are of course always challenges things that can do be, uh, be better but overall i'm really happy how everything worked out uh that has been excellent um at, at least uh, for an overview of of what's been happening do you have any idea about about your your user base how many people are actually using the, using the software And no, it's, it's hard to say because we obviously don't uh, track our users, <laughs> which we would go against our mission. Um, but what we have some numbers, uh, because the next cloud server asks, um, an update server on our side if there is a new version available. So we sometimes get this, like from time to time, these pings from these servers and we can see roughly how many pings there are. And we know how many, um, Docker containers are there. Um, there's, um, there's some stuff built into the Docker hub stuff where they can somehow know that. And we have some other data points, um, so we can estimate it. Um, so it, it's like probably between like 30 and 40 million users overall. Wow. Okay. But it is an, just an estimate. Okay. Uh, you just mentioned the fact that apparently when you fought the company, you re-engineered the code base with regards to fresh start in terms of there are no own cloud artifacts in the code base anymore. Uh, that's not completely true. I mean, the code base is still based on the old code base, but of course we invest a lot of energy in modernizing it. And actually, um, Now, I don't know when this interview will be broadcasted, but from today, in one and a half weeks, we will launch the next big version, Nextcloud 20. So this is already like 10 iterations um, since we fought from the own cloud code base, which means for, for 10 major releases, we already like basically re-architectured and improved the code base, and it's getting better and faster and more secure all the time. But it is still, it has still has the same history. So, um, so that's the same. What we really changed is, um, that, um, of course we couldn't use the proprietary software pieces that are still, um, in, in, in own cloud. And we had to replace them with open source code. And that's stuff that we completely wrote from scratch. And of course we also nowadays we have 
from functionality perspective, we have a lot more features that we wrote from scratch, like the whole video and talk and calendaring and all those other things. Um, but it is it, the history is there, and no one, <laughs> no one in Nextcloud is denying that uh, that uh, yeah, OwnCloud is the the grandpa basically. So, so, uh, that's great, Frank. So, so OwnCloud is is sort of your direct competitor still. Is that is that the case, or would you see it that way? Yes, yes, yes. There is uh, there is uh, there is someone who picked up the old um, the old OwnCloud, which was then bankrupt at the time, and and trying to um, yeah keep it alive and compete with us. And yeah, they're still there. They're still competing with us, but they're like different people and different interest and commercial interest behind it. Yeah. I mean, there's a significant ecosystem of at least five synchronization solutions out there. Sync thing comes to mind, which has a very interesting approach. CFAR, mm-hmm. of course, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a grandfather in the field. And of course, own cloud and next cloud. Uh, given the fact that you're now something worldwide, as in that you're, mm-hmm propagating next how uh, how do you see the market in from a historical perspective at the moment and going forward yeah interesting question i mean it is let me answer this like a bit more broader because it is not only about those self-hosted open source solutions that you mentioned but it is about the whole collaboration space overall so because as I mentioned, 10, 11, 12, 13 years ago, there was like solutions like Dropbox. It was like, yeah, you basically have a folder, you drop files into the folder and they appear in the folder on another device, like just syncing stuff around, which was pretty, I mean, nowadays that's not so amazing, but <laughs> at the time it was, uh, was really a completely new and awesome software and idea. And of course, then quickly other software appeared, which just did the same. There was like then one drive from Microsoft and Google drive from Google and so on. Um, and, um, yeah, Gartner, Gartner, which is this, um, analyst uh, companies, especially for IT, um, they basically created a name for this kind of products. It was then called enterprise files you can share. Um, but the world really moved on. And then this is also like the history of, of Nextcloud and OwnCloud at the time. This is where everything started. But uh, the world moved on. And nowadays it all basically transforms more into something that I would call content collaboration software. And also Gartner, again, the analyst company, they renamed basically this whole category from enterprise files being shared to content collaboration platform. And this is software which does syncing files, yes, but it does a lot more. Um, and examples for this software is like Office 365 for Microsoft, which is a software that contains uh, um, OneDrive. So file syncing is still part of it, but it does a lot more. It has like teams for chat and video calling and had like the whole Outlook email calendaring thing. It has like the office component, of course. You can actually edit office documents in there and many, many, many more components. And this is nowadays called the content collaboration platform software. And Google actually did the same. Google Drive, of course, still exists, but Google Drive is now part of G Suite, which is again like uh, chatting, video calling, calendaring, email pages and so on. And basically everybody in this space basically does the same. 
There is like uh, Dropbox also has more integration into like Zoom and Pages and chat solutions and, and stuff like that. And everybody does that. And, and we are, we are too. Um, so Nextcloud is really transformed from, to, from a tool that synchronizes files to a tool that you can use for working together. And that's something, by the way, which, I mean, um, we at Nextcloud always do that. I mean, we have people from all over the world working together with Nextcloud. So for us, it was also a very natural. But for a lot of organizations, this is not very natural. They usually sit in the same office and work together on the same table. But of course, now we have COVID-19, this uh, this pandemic, um, this big crisis for the whole planet, which uh, has the effect that a lot of people work from remote. And then now everybody sees the value of having this kind of software where we can collaborate and communicate and sync and share and edit together. So that's a bit like the, the like the history. All right, great. So, so I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, obviously the, the COVID situation, and we had uh, an interview with uh, the guy who uh, runs the project management for for Big Blue Button as well, and he's obviously seen a, a large uptake uh, since that happened. Uh, I mean, I you mentioned the, the G Suites, the Office three six fives, etc. Do you actually? Uh, I mean, I don't. I'm not that familiar with Nextcloud apart from using it ourselves, but in an organizational context, how, how many people are adopting something like Nextcloud over uh, a G Suite or, or an Office 365? How, how do you define that? Um, or how would you see that user population in uh, mm. corporate business? Yeah, so there's a big, that's a big, um, I, I wouldn't call it fight, <laughs> but there's a big competition at the moment for exactly that, what you mentioned. So everybody's, you needs this kind of software like now because people are in the home offices now and yeah people pick different software some pick a nice open source project like a big blue button what we're using here or jitsi or next load talk um also other solutions like you mentioned c file or own cloud which are mainly focused on syncing files um, all the Nextcloud files, of course. I mean, we as Nextcloud have a little bit of the advantage, at least in my opinion, that we are this suite of software that combines everything into one nice package and one nice interface, which is um, integrated with each other. Uh, but overall, I'm happy for every open source solution that's picked. Like I mentioned a few. Um, unfortunately, um, our com competition is very strong. So, um, especially Microsoft, they're really, um, they're really pulling in a lot of users into the Microsoft Office 365 cloud at the moment. Um, and that's a bit of a challenge for the open source world. You, Frank, that has been more than interesting. Uh, you just mentioned Nextcloud Talk. The way I understand it, basically, there's a free version that has a certain limitation in place. And after that, um, it's a paid, the software component that is not open source and runs on your own servers. Um, do you have any comment on that? Um, yeah, that's uh, that's old information. Um, okay. <laughs> so I, uh, I corrected. <laughs> yeah. So nowadays it is. Um, that it's true that there are basically two different modes for Nextcloud Talk, um, but both options are open source and you can run on your own server and you can. That's free software, 100%. Okay. 
it's only the only difference is a bit like how much technical knowledge you have. Because if you just, you have your Nextcloud and you activate Nextcloud Talk or you have it installed already and you just use it, you can you chat and start a video call or audio call. Then in the default setup, it's doing all the communication peer to peer, which okay. means if we would have, we have like three people in this call here at the moment, or if we would do this call in Nextcloud Talk, then this would mean that my browser would send my audio signal to to other browsers, to, to your, your browsers, and you would do the same. And then the three of us would, can talk. Um, this works fine until like six, seven, eight people in one room. But then if you have more people in a room, then really the amount of data that needs to be sent from everybody to everybody, because it, it is basically grows and exponentially, right? Like everybody, the number of connections is exponentially to the number of participants in the room. Then at some point, it just overloads the network or CPU resources or both. And in this case, uh, we have this other mode. This is this high performance backend. This is an additional component that you can install on the server, which then collects all um, the streams and sends it out to everybody. And this basically makes sure that you can have a call with like over 100 users in the room. And it also has like, uh, it's just faster because it's using a new signaling component, which is a Go daemon. And it has some, it has a lot of optimizations. The only drawback of that solution is that you have to install it and you have to run it somewhere on some server. Okay. And this is WebRTC based? Yes. Yes. It's all WebRTC. Okay. Now, interesting perspective, because at the moment, as you know, we're recording this using a, a big blue button uh, instance, and that big blue button instance has certain, let's put it this way, requirements that some people are half, are find hard to meet. Uh, I'm just wondering, actually, does talk is, um, provide recording capabilities? Not yet. That's then for the next Ah, okay. <laughs> In the case, we just have to wait then. <laughs> Yeah, that's something that's actually planned. We will put this into the server component because this is the component where the streams come together. And then the idea is to just record it together, encode it into one big uh, audio file, and then upload it into the next clouds of all participants, for example. That's nice. actually planned. That's actually planned. But that's uh, one of the features that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> so you pick the right one. <laughs> and, and this is planned for re version 21, 22? Uh, I would say 21, but in general, I'm usually, I'm not a big fan of pre-announcements. Ah, so, okay. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> because we have this agile um, development process, right? Like everybody, um, and also the community, right? They do what they want, right? So I don't even know what's coming. So, <laughs> so everybody just improves the software. I mean, there's a little bit of a bigger plan, but overall people do what they want. And then at some point after three, four months, there's like feature freeze and then we do a new version. And this works super nice. I mean, it's, I'm really happy with the speed and progress we are making, but the drawback is that I have no idea what we do next year. So it's all like, it's agile. Nowadays, you call this agile. Okay. So, so how, how do you organize the, the project then, uh, Frank, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the guarding and what commits go in and to the directions of the, uh, yeah, the, the project itself? Yeah. So, I mean, there is a, there is a consensus over the overall goal. 
um, I think that's important. If someone wants to turn uh, Nextcloud into a coffee machine or a car, then <laughs> <laughs> so there's an overall consensus that we want to be the free software alternative to Microsoft and Google and all these big cloud services. And I think everybody in our community shares this goal. And that's already very important that we all walk in the same direction. And then the only challenge or the only question is, of course, okay, which feature is more important and which speed and what do we do first, what do we do second? And um, there are some things that the Nextcloud company, because there is a company, we have actually 50 people and like a lot of developers in there. And um, there we we do what we think should be done next, also after after talking with customers and they tell you, hey, this feature is really important and then we do this feature. But this is only what we as a company do because the open source project has, as I said, 2,000 volunteers and not 50. So, um, and there's this 2,000 volunteers that do what they want. The only thing is that we have processes in place to guarantee um, security and performance and stability and bug freeness and so on. Um, we are using GitHub at the moment, um, and we have a, a pull request process, so everybody can just go there, look at the code and the issues and the feature requests and everything, create a pull request of a change, like a bug fix or a feature or something. Yeah. And then, and then when the pull request is created, then we have a bunch of automated tests that are executed, so we have Unit tests and integration tests, acceptance tests, and so on. And they are like doing their tests, and they're checking if, like, um, yeah, if the co if the if the change works. Then uh, we have a uh, um, yeah, we have a design team which does a review if like the feature um, is like usable and is understandable, if it's like translatable and in the right languages. We have security people who check if the security is correct. Um, and then the last thing that's needed is you need to have a positive review, like an approval from two more people. So two more people, two more developers need to say, yes, this change makes sense. And if all of that is, uh, is, is, is given, then the change is merged. And it doesn't matter if, if the change comes or the reviewers or whoever, it doesn't change, it doesn't matter who works at the company or as a community member or use or partner or language or continent, it doesn't really matter. Um, as long as you, if you going through this process, then the change is merged. Um, okay. it grows very, very, very self-regulated and very organically. Yeah, that's that's uh, very different to some other projects, right? Where you have a uh, typically like a, a a core team that decides direction and as a gatekeeper of which commits go in and not and things like that. But yeah, yeah, that's a nice model. I, like that. I don't have any any gatekeepers in the classic sense. Mm. Of course, we have core people. I mean, we have people who really work on the code for many many years and they know a lot about it. And if they have some feedback at a pull request, of course, people take it seriously and listen to them. But this is because they are competent, not because they are, have a special title or something. Yeah, correct. correct. And uh, I mean, you mentioned that there's 50 people in, in Nextcloud company. And I guess internally, how do you work together there? Or do you use, <laughs> I guess, Nextcloud to communicate or Nextcloud talk and, and all, yeah. the, all the tools there? <laughs> Indeed. Anything else on top of that that you, you find you, that you need? 
to work together. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we use for document sharing Nextcloud, we use Nextcloud Talk for chatting in our video calls, we have our calendar and email and all the components in Nextcloud. There are some things that Nextcloud does not do. Um, for example, we have a, a separate ticketing system um, where, because the business model we have is that we sell um, support subscriptions to our customers, very similar right. to Red Hat and Zeus and others. And because of that, we need a ticket system where like customers can open tickets if they have a problem or question or something. And uh, we don't have uh, our own ticket system. And and also, by the way, the goal is of Nextcloud is not to do everything new. We don't have to reinvent the, every wheel, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a nice, there's nice uh, open source ticketing system. In our case, we, call, we use something called Summit. It's an open source self-hosted ticketing system, and we have it nicely integrated into our our internal Nextcloud instance. Works quite nice. And by the way, the same is for CRM system. So customer relationship management is also something we don't have in, in Nextcloud. And there we use a free software called uh, Sweet CRM. And yeah, that's also nicely integrated nowadays. So we don't really reinvent every single wheel. This would be bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, makes sense. Um, so, so the, the, okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, lots of, lots of the people that work for you probably are uh, working on, on Nextcloud. Uh, are they fully employed as, as uh, employees there or? Are yeah, they, yeah. Right. So 50 people, the 50 people are fully employed, 100%. Because I think you mentioned that Nextcloud started without any investors. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. So it's, um, it's all grown organically from, from pure yes. usage. That's, that's something, that's one of the things I, I, I learned from the past, um, that everything we do the next cloud we try to do in a sustainable way. So we are actually profitable. Um, profitable not in the sense that we make a huge profit, um, but in the sense that we can pay our own bills. So we don't take the money from the bank or shareholders, but we have like customers. And that's super important for me because it means that, yeah, we can grow, we can hire more people, we can, we don't depend on any investors who have like, I don't know, other ideas. <laughs> so it's yeah. very, very sustainable. And that's for me personally, like super important. Yeah, very nice. I mean, how many people did you start with uh, when you started out? Uh, we started with 12 people, 12 people right. basically decided to leave the old uh, company and create a new one. And it was definitely a bit of an adventure at the beginning because we started with like no customers and no product and no one knows the name and nothing. Um, it was an adventure, but yeah, it worked out quite well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're at 50 now, I think you say. So 50. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you see that changing again or, or increasing again in a year's time? I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's, it's what we're doing seems to go well. I mean, there are some factors that are to help the adoption of, of Nextcloud. I mean, yeah, I like it or not, but with COVID-19, people understand that you need to have like digital processes, that you need to have like remote work, um, all the modern tools that you can't try everybody sitting in the same office and 
walking around with paper. That's not really the future. So people understand that something like Nextcloud is useful. And also there is, of course, the big political discussion at the moment um, with the whole privacy shield. I don't know if you followed that, but um, there's a big discussion in Europe if um, um, cloud services hosted in the United States or basically uh, run by companies from the United States are compliant with the GDPR um, data protection regulations of Europe. And that's a big unknown at the moment. Um, the highest European court uh, ruled um, like last month that it's actually not compliant. So, um, yeah, and of course, this has like no consequences for Nextcloud because Nextcloud you can run on your own infrastructure wherever you want. Um, yeah. Yes, something, something's coming busy together. So the things are going well for Nextcloud and yeah, we are growing. Is, is that where you see the, the, the biggest or one of the big values of Nextcloud is, is that people can run it um, themselves without having to rely on uh, one of the, the big three? Yeah, I mean, there are running it where you want is, is a big benefit. The extensibility that we have so many plugins and connectors and things done by the open source community, this is super, super nice for a lot of people. Um, the fact that you can... Um, look inside the code and do a code audit and make sure that there are no backdoors in the code. That's also a big benefit. So, for example, Nextcloud is used by the French government or the German government, and they like it because they can check that there are no backdoors in it. Um, yeah, so there are several benefits, um, but all, all related to open source. Needless to say, I, I can't have Martin. Uh, I can't have Martin have all the fun. So I'm going to ask the next question, Frank. Uh, speaking <laughs> speaking of government involvement and all the rest of it, um, I'm just wondering. These people are, needless to say, very concerned about security and privacy shield and all the rest of it. Have you ever undergone, or has there been a requirement, a formal, as in, um, 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 request for a code audit as an order of the code base? Yeah, yeah. I know at least in two cases where um, external companies did a code audit of Nextcloud. Um, of course, I don't know a lot of details uh, about it because the main point is that this is done without our involvement <laughs> because they're basically checking us, right? Um, but I know that they were done, yes. Okay, interesting. When I look at the website, you seem to be particularly focused on public sector customers. And if I understand this correctly, you also provide a managed service as a cloud offering for, for Nextcloud? Mm, actually not, no. Okay. So um, some people come come to us and say, like, yeah, Nextcloud is great. Where can I sign up? Where can I get an account? And, uh, yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> okay. So we, are, we only provide the software and, and we enable other people to run a service. So you can run a service on your own root server on a Raspberry Pi, maybe inside your company, maybe your service provider, maybe your government. But the idea is that you take Nextcloud and run it somewhere. We we don't do any hosting. The whole idea, this is what this is basically what motivated me at the first place to do um to do the software, which is I think what I really want to decentralize the internet again. I, I don't like I don't like the idea that all data and all communications go through like servers of like big 
some five big companies. I really think that everything should be decentralized again. And um, yeah, because of that, I started with this software and others work on it too now um, to enable other people to run those services. If, if, if we would provide like a, the official next cloud server or something, <laughs> this is, would be the opposite of decentralization, right? And, and so we don't do any hosting. But there are lots of there, like, I don't know, over 100 companies on the internet which do hosting of Nextcloud. So go to one of them. So all that is subscription, it is according to you. What that gives me is, is essentially support. Yeah, it's it's actually very similar to um, to what uh, Red Hat and SUSE are, are, are providing. So it is uh, support. That's a big part of it. But it is also like a special build of the software, which is a little bit more conservative with features. It's a bit similar if you compare like Fedora with uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, right? Fedora is more modern, has more modern packages and features. Um, but that's something that companies sometimes don't want. They want to have software that is super tested, super stable, and is like supported for 10 years and doesn't change all the time. And this is what they get with Red Hat Enterprise Linux. And that's very similar what we also provide to the users, additionally to the support. And then there is like, yeah, long-term support, as I mentioned. And, um, yeah, they, we have conversations with them and we listen to them if they want to have features, feature development, or we do customization or training workshops, help, help them to scale it and so on. And all of that basically together in a bundle. Interesting perspective. Changing the tack a little bit, as we are a communist podcast focused on open source, needless to say, the licensing uh, plays a very important uh, role when we discuss any open source project. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit on the particular license uh, Nextcloud is available under and why you chose this particular licensing model. Yeah. Um... So as you know, there are like two different, two main different um, families of licenses that are considered open source free software, with the permissive licenses and the, the copyleft licenses. Um, there is like this Apache, MIT, BSD style licenses, which basically means yeah, do what you want. And then there is this other GPL, LGPL, HGPL family of licenses, which also says do what you want, but If you do changes, then it also has to be under the same license. I mean, that's like, the, <laughs> I'm sure lawyers will kill me now, <laughs> but this would be my summary of it. Yeah, don't um, worry about it. We, we'll take the front. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I chose at the beginning the HGPL license, which is in the, in the second camp. A pharaoh, means, okay. Yes. Which means it is basically, it is, has this built in guarantee that it will always stay open source because if you change it, if you fork it, if you modify it, it always has to be under the same license, which I think is very important to ensure the, yeah, the stability of the software. With other licenses, BSD, MIT, Apache, and so on, there's the danger that someone takes it and makes, an, makes it proprietary And then um, the changes can't flow back because they're suddenly proprietary. And that, that's not what I want. I, what, what I want is a real community where everybody's in the same playing field, everybody plays to the same rules, 
everybody owns the same. I mean, technically, everybody owns their own piece of software, right? Everybody owns their own little contribution. But basically, no one owns everything together. Basically, the sum of all the pieces is basically owned by everybody together or no one in a way. Okay. So it's basically, it's, it's, and it's very like, what did you say, communistic? Uh, maybe it's, maybe it is a bit like that. And that ATPL and, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just about to, to interject. <laughs> uh, not everybody probably knows what the Nefaro GPL license means, but yes, yes, yes. Uh, feel free to go ahead and explain. Um, but <laughs> okay. say, lawyers, any lawyers listening uh, to this podcast, uh, just send feedback to feedback at linuxinlaws.eu. Don't massacre <laughs> Frank Karliczek. Please don't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm actually intentionally trying to uh, provide a high-level view here, not really discuss Absolutely, the, go ahead. The, 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 because would be boring to go into details um but so the idea i think i believe in the in the gpl uh, type of licenses because it basically they enforce that everybody's in the same playing field and then everybody is basically the work of everybody benefits also everybody that's that's the, the general idea this is why i like that um and then the Afero, uh, uh gpl the hgpl is a variant of the gpl which I think you could say fixes one problem of the GPL. Um, it's, in my opinion, the HGPL and the GPL could be merged into one license because at the end it has the same idea. But the GPL has, in the way it was written, has like one problem because it always talks about the rights you have um, if you run the software. So basically you get a software from someone and you run it on your computer usually And then, um, if, then you should be able to change it and to study it. And then it needs to be open source, basically. That's the, the idea. But the, the challenge is that nowadays with cloud computing, the code is actually not running on your computer, but on a remote computer. So basically you are basically using Gmail, but you're not running Gmail because Google is running Gmail, but you're a user of Gmail, you know? There's this, there's this difference now in cloud computing over the internet. And this was not, this was not considered when the GPL was written. And because of that, the HGPL was uh, created and it, it, I think it fixes this problem. So you're also a user of the software. You're basically running the software, even if the software is running on a cloud computer somewhere else. So, Yeah, let's let's leave it like that. <laughs> I don't want to do more licensing stuff. But that's basically the thing. And because of that, the HGPL is really, I think, for us the perfect license because it is it enforces the freedom to all users who are running a service, uh, who are using a service. That is my understanding as well. In contrast with the GPL, actually, the the Afro GPL enforces you to publish any changes you make. Uh, and the, uh, and I think, I'm not a lawyer, full disclaimer, and the ordinary GPL basically bases this on a request. Um, mm. You say many projects who license their code under GPL or automatically more or less push or publish the, uh, publish any changes. Um, but the Afero GPL actually enforces this. So it's probably the, one of the most viral licenses in this context and um, in, in, in the true spirit of Richard Storm and himself, I would, uh, I, I reckon it's, it's, it's the most enforcing license in, in this context. Yeah. That, ha in, especially if you want to keep a code base open, as in anybody who touches this is automatically 
required to publish even a small typo that it makes absolutely sense to go for this particular license. I, I fully agree. Say, changing tack once again, where do you see Nextcloud going? Apart from recording web artist <laughs> conversations now. <laughs> Oh, okay. Should I should I answer this from a higher level or from a super higher level? Just uh, uh, basically sh shed some light on the project from a philosophical perspective and then <laughs> discuss the technical details. No worries. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, so yeah what yeah. is your opinion for the project? Where should this go? So, okay, let's let me let me go to a super 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 high level now for a second. So. um so when when the whole computer stuff like started in the 50s and 60s, I mean the computers were mainly like big mainframes running in some from some IT department, and then the users were usually using terminals, text terminals that are connected to the mainframe. But then basically the IT department was in control of everything. They have the applications, they have the server, and they also have the data, and that's basically. Um, yeah, it it means that the users are yeah, as the name says, users of the software. Right? They have no rights. There, there's nothing they can do. Um, it's like being a customer of a company, but you're not really in. You can't do some anything with the product, or you can influence. You're just a customer. In the same way, you're just a user. And then, uh, but something happens in the 80s and 90s where um, yeah, the PC revolution happened, where everybody could have their own computer. A personal computer and, and the computer that became like uh, the most common was um, inspired by the IBM PC so it was a whole IBM PC compatible thing and what's special about the IP, IBM PC was um, that it was open because there were other candidates also the Apple Macintosh computers exist at a time or Atari or Amiga or Commodore 64 or many other computers also existed but they were all not successful. At the end, like 98% of all computers were IBM PC computers. Um, and as I said, they were open, which means you can install any software, any operating system on it. You can do whatever you want with it. You can build, even build your own hardware. In a way, it was an open source hardware, right? Because you can build like, well, let me build a new CPU. Let me build different RAM. Let me build a different hard disk. Let me build a different whatever. Everybody can do what they want. And this basically created a huge amount of creativity. So um, this and also that Linux only happened because of that, because it was able to install Linux on this computer. It was not able to install Linux on some other computer because there were closed systems. But IBM PC was always open. Um, and this was really a good thing. And in the last few years, we basically see um, that the wheel is turned back a bit. So, yeah, we still have our computers in front of us, but what we really do with our computers is accessing um, cloud services on the Internet, which are not open. Right? So we're using like Gmail or like Office 365 or Zoom or some video streaming or whatever. So a computer becomes, personal computer becomes more and more useless nowadays without a network connection. And this already basically means that we are all using like software and data and hardware and stuff, which is not our own anymore. That's controlled by some big companies running somewhere else. 
And and this is even more true with mobile devices like phones and tablets. I mean, the mobile smartphone is basically really useless without networking, right? If you can't really, most of the applications, most of the apps are just like front ends on top of some web services running somewhere else. And um, those web services are, yeah, they're not your own. They're run by the big companies. You can't change them. You can't study them. You can't access the data. It's really basically turning the wheel back to the old mainframe. Basically, our phones, in a, day, in a way, are like terminal computers um, again. And the, and the time of the open, the openness is like really a bit over. Right? I mean, you can't like install. I don't know. You can't say, "Oh, I like Instagram," but I want to ch- study the code of Instagram and change the code and run it myself and do a competitor of Instagram or replace the operating system or play with the database of Instagram. That's all not possible. You're just a user. We're just a customer. There's nothing we can do anymore. Yeah, and that's bad. That's not. That's not really good. So what we are trying to do at Nextcloud, and this sounds really a bit like a big, <laughs> a big task, but well, not only Nextcloud, but the overall open source movement, but also Nextcloud. What we're trying to do is to move more into a, is into a future where all those services don't exist only once by one company, but everybody can host it wherever they want. You can actually see the, the source code and you can change the source code and you can do whatever what you want with it. You can access your data. You can migrate the data to somewhere else. You can, um, if you don't like what we, what we are doing, uh, in Nextcloud, you can take the software and fork it and create like the next Nextcloud, which is better or something. So this is enables competition and freeness and openness and yeah, data protection and privacy and everything. Because I think if we all just using web services run by whatever five big companies, that is a very dark future. So that's the very, very big picture <laughs> that I wanted to mention. This is what we're trying to do. Yeah, it's interesting perspective. Yeah, like that. It's, uh, it's obviously quite a big task to, to turn all that around. <laughs> so, yeah, you, 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 you don't need your bit at next level, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. you, must, you must be a bit naive and stupid to even try. But yeah, I guess <laughs> you have to try. With, with long course. <laughs> yeah. All right, very good. Um, okay, I, I, I want to just switch switch tack for the last few minutes before we um, <coughs> lose sight of that bit. Um, the, the main technology that you use in Nextcloud is PHP, if I'm correct. Yeah, the big pieces of the server is PHP, but we also have more and more components in other languages, for example, Go. Um, there's also a piece that's written in C++. Um, frontend is JavaScript. We have a mobile client for Mac, Windows, Linux, and C++. Um, the mobile apps written in Java and uh, Objective-C. So, yeah, lots of technologies. And then our and our and our app store, our app repository, I think, is done in uh, in Ruby. So you can probably find every single programming language somewhere in Nextcloud. Yeah. Excellent. And um, yeah, I mean, we we had uh, myself and Chris. We had the programming language special. Uh, I think that was the previous one, wasn't it, Chris? And just wanted to, uh, if within Nextcloud, do you have any? kind of discussions along those lines of, of where should we be moving next or look at which languages to use or, or do, you, do you have any kind of 
standards around uh, where people are developing or you're happy for uh, people to contribute in anything they choose. So um, you mean really about the programming language? Uh, I yes. Mean, yes. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we have some, I, I believe in, in if you have architecture decisions like that, I think you should first analyze what your goals are, what you want to achieve. And uh, um, the reason that a big part of Nextcloud is written in PHP is that PHP is a language that's really easy to run and to host. Uh, basically, um, yeah, it's, it's available on all operating systems like uh, Linux, BSD, everything. It's platform independent, right, running on ARM and 64-bit, 32-bit Intel, AMD, and so on. It is. Um, it basically is very lightweight. It runs on every web server on the planet somewhere. There is like always PHP available, and it's also quite easy to program for and to understand and to read, which is nice if you want to attract a big community. Um, and this is why um, the, why we chose um, to use uh, PHP for the main server part. It's also to deploy it, just to run it. You can download the Nextcloud zip file from our website, unpack it in a directory on your web server, and it's running. You basically need nothing more you need to do. No compiling, no checking dependencies, no, I don't know, platform architecture, whatever things. You just unpack the zip file, and it works. And that was a design goal from the very beginning, to make this super easy. Of course, there are some things where PHP is not very good with. For example, there are some areas where um, where PHP is not very suitable. For example, if you want to have lots of open connections, for example, if you want to have WebSocket connections, I don't know how technically we want to be here, but if you want to have WebSocket connections to your clients, that is, is um, not really compatible with the PHP architecture. Um, and in these cases, we have components um, written in other languages and frameworks, like Go, for example. So we have a, this earlier mentioned high-performance talk backend. This has a signaling server written in Go. And we have a push proxy, which has push notifications to clients, which is written in, in Go, and more components in the future. But the thing is that these components are optional. So the idea is that you can start super simple, super easy, like everybody can deploy a next cloud and it should work. And then at some point you come to the conclusion, okay, maybe I want to have a little bit more performance. I can do that. Maybe I suddenly have like a few thousand users, then I do that. Then I use additional Redis cached and I use a different database where you can migrate to it and you can do this and this. You can basically grow together with Nextcloud. Um, and that's really the design goal. I'm not a big fan of coming up with a super complex architecture that you only need if you have 100,000 users, but then makes it impossible to deploy, deploy this on a Raspberry Pi. So for us, it's like the growing from yeah. very small to very big. Yeah, very nice, very nice. No, that's interesting. Um, uh, for a very pragmatic viewpoint, uh, whereas uh, <clears throat> in our um, uh, last episode's discussion, it was very much about sort of principles of, uh, you know, the, 
the, the type 50 in Rust and C++ and all that kind of stuff, but for you, it's more like uh, <coughs> PHP is, is a perfect platform for this and for the, the pieces that we um, we need more yeah. performance. We use something like Go. Or, um, so, yeah, very, very good. So, I mean, I, I, I can also talk about that. <laughs> there are definitely also things that could be better in PHP, for example. I personally would prefer a, a stronger type language. Um, and there are some things, there are some older art, artifacts in PHP which are not so good. But honestly, I, I mean, some people might disagree, but honestly, I think every language has pros and cons. And at the end of the day, you can do, I mean, you can implement every algorithm in every language. It's just a matter of what better fits the task, what fits the architecture, what is... Yeah, how to deploy it, how to how to run it, and so on. So I, I, I I'm not a big fan of like discussing syntax like details. I mean, yeah, sure. I, yeah, I've had preferences, but at the end, it's like the bigger goal that we want to achieve, not a syntax. Hey. Um, I think this is just about enough on programming language. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we if you're interested, oper- listen to the previous episode. <laughs> and we leave the similar topic of operating system choices um, <laughs> <laughs> at, 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 at the same level, so that's okay. Well, now we discuss yeah. like VI versus Emacs, or what's the next topic? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> what is your favorite editor? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Rather, what is your favorite strong typed language? Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? What uh, the last question is basically from from my side. Basically, um, how and this is something that we haven't quite discussed yet. How do you? Manage, how do you liaison with your community? How do you make sure that you get enough external input to keep the code base alive and kicking? Oh, that's a, that's a big question. I mean, this is, uh, we have another four <laughs> hours, not, not to worry about it. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, four hours might be okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, most, imp- I, I don't, there are a few things that are very important. First is we already talked about the license. Um, in our case, the license means that everybody's on the same playing field, right? So we as Nextcloud company, we don't own the code or something. Everybody owns the code in the same way. Everybody owns the code that they write themselves. And this stays like that. And this is just fair. And if you're fair with your community, then the community is happy. If you're not fair, then they run away. Right? That's the first thing. The second is like the communication. I mean, um, I don't know if we would have in the company lots of secret internal meetings and the community is not really part of the communication, then they also would be unhappy. So because of that, we also try to be super transparent and do everything in the open. So we do on, on uh, we'll do everything on GitHub, um, discuss every feature, every feedback, every security, every design, every everything. So everybody in the community is like part of the process um, and this also makes them happy. Yeah, then, uh, of course, the whole architecture and programming language that we just discussed need to be in a way that you have a, like a flat learning curve. Right? You want to be able to do like a small change in an hour. 
if you first need to study your architecture for a week before you even understand what's going on, then that's not very good. Um, then, yeah, I mean, personal contact is also important. Usually we do these hackathons, this, um, these hack weeks, like several times a year where we invite everybody and we even do travel support. We like fly people in uh, on our cost that we come together a few times a year. And we also have our big, um, our big conference in Berlin once, once, uh, once a year, of course. It's not happening at the moment, unfortunately, because of COVID-19, but also an event where everybody comes together and they can talk to each other and work together. Um, I think these are some of the main points. Yeah, and of course, also your community need to be able to use the, the software. So it's, I mean, no one want, wants to improve a software that I can't use themselves. So that's another reason why it's important the next cloud runs like on a small home server. Um, and then that we have no proprietary pieces where you need to pay for and so on. Everybody can use it at home and then improve it for themselves. Okay. I, I would say those are the main things. I'm sure there are a lot more, but these are some of the important ones. Okay. Any final questions from your side, Martin, before we wrap this up? No, it's been great. Uh, it's, uh, it, it fits in really well with all the, uh, the likes of all the Blue and other open source projects that we discussed. And uh, yeah, it's been great having you, Frank. Thank you for your insights. And it's been a, it's, it's, uh, for me also something different in the way you're running your open source projects, which I particularly like. So it's been good. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot for, for having me. And um, yeah, it's always, always fun. Um, and thanks for the good questions. Um, thank you again for, for taking out the time to speak um, um, with us. We're going to check in about two years' time when you hopefully have achieved world domination with Nextcloud. So look forward <laughs> to speaking to you to then. So, Martin, what do you make of it? Yeah, no, it was a very um, interesting for me in terms of the way they organized their um, project, which is quite what different I, from yeah. a lot of other open source projects. Uh, what I found particularly interesting is actually their, their vision or Frank's vision with regards to going forward in terms of they come from a simple file hosting solution, but now with the, with the, with extensions in terms of, uh, next talk and all the rest of it, they're clearly driving this forward to a more, to, to a kind of open source collaborative solution rather than other approaches in the market, which basically just stay on the file sharing level. Yeah, on the technical side. Yeah, no, I meant the, uh, you know, so they, uh, they have a kind of every a contributor to Nextcloud kind of owns the project rather than a, a BDFL or a project team or something like that, right? It's, it's, mm, it's, it's a, quite, quite nice in a way. I mean, that. yeah, the, the, the choice, of course, of the implementation language as a PHP is still questionable. But I reckon that comes with the own cloud legacy because that code base also goes back, I think, at least seven or eight years. And they simply started to write this in PHP. And if you take a look at this, 
they have incorporated over the time that they have incorporated quite a few frameworks. So I reckon doing this properly, Frank, if you're listening to this, no offense, no PHP is still a great language, uh, especially um, for, for server-side programming. I mean, re-implements probably wouldn't would take just too much effort, I suppose. So just leave it as it is and just amend it over time. Yeah, is it, <clears throat> with anything, um, there is obviously a cost of rebuilding, right? So, uh, and you know, the guys obviously have a lot of expertise in PHP. So, why not? True. Exactly. I mean, if we're looking at, um, I think he, well, he, well, he forked the code base. So hmm. he started next cloud in 2016, forked the code base before that. So I reckon we are looking at a significant technical depth in terms of if you want to re-implement, if you want to re-implement this in a different program language. So, um, if the performance checks out and PHP is, invo- is, is evolving in that department or, um, all the time, I mean, I just have to take a look at the difference between, say, 4 and 5 and 7, where they did a lot of optimization, apparently, in the engine. Going forward, should still be feasible from an implementation perspective as in programming language of of choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's the beauty of open source is that people will innovate if they need it and use whatever projects available to further their cause. So... Interesting project, interesting interview. Let's yeah. put it this way. Yeah, definitely. And maybe, and maybe we should get back uh, in in a few years' time to see basically where Frank and and, and the company is at mm, um, after definitely. the inclusion of Next Cloud Talk and all other fun and games in the code base. So, so do we have any yeah. feed? Yeah, do we have any feedback? Well, we did feedback last week. People send right. People say, people write in feedback all the time. It's just a matter of you oh, picking uh, this up if, and reading uh, it. If, <laughs> if if you're talking about uh, uh, the feedback from and no, I'm not talking and, about and, and, and Mr. No, Zimmerman, <laughs> Mr. Zimmerman, no. the elder. <laughs> no, I'm not, but no, I think I'm we had plenty of feedback from. Them. <laughs> okay. Well, if we don't have any feedback, people, of course, uh, the old adage still goes: um, if you like the show, if you don't like the show. Uh, send emails to feedback at linuxinlaws.eu or, needless to say, uh, put something on Hacker Public Radio on the website. Indeed, indeed. Um, because um, that will actually be picked up and forwarded to us so um, that we don't have to take a look at the HPR website every day to see if somebody has, some, uh, has something, co- uh, has, has, has commented something. And that concludes season one. Episode 17 of Linux In-Laws. This is the Linux In-Laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank Thank you for for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margaret to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. you find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Gemando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <laughs> Thank you.
You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.